0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to New Life. Would you stand with us and sing?
1: Was looking up at the mountains and remind me of Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth.
0: The people rose to see Jesus Christ. Time would you
2: As many of you know, this morning is a new member Sunday. And so I'd like to invite all the new members that have taken the class uh, in December uh, to come on up to the stage and join me on the stage. And as they're coming up, I'll share a little bit about what being a member at a church is about. So come on down, uh, for those of you. Uh, Becoming a member is not so much about getting something as most memberships go in the world. um, But being a member at a church really is about giving oneself to the local expression of the body of Christ. We give ourselves to worship God together in fellowship with other believers. We give ourselves to serve God in the community and with the community of believers. We give ourselves to be under godly authority, giving ourselves to be held accountable by those placed in positions of authority within the church by God. We give ourselves to participate in the mission of God locally and beyond. That's what being a member at a church is about. So these new members today are making such a commitment to give themselves to fully participate in the life of the church, in this church, in New Life Church, as many of you have already done so. So today, we welcome Eric and Teresa Boucher and their son Noah, and Mike and Suzanne Rizabas and their daughters Alexis, Nadia, and Scarlett. And um, and Tessa Teeson, who is also married to Justin and their daughters uh, Hope, uh, Nora, and their son Ruben. Eric <clears throat> Eric and Teresa are transferring their membership from Gateway CRC. Mike and Suzanne Rizabas the they're transferring their membership from Langley Emmanuel. And Tessa is was baptized at Westside Church in Vancouver. And she's been attending New Life Church for quite some time since marrying Justin and have realized that she's never taken the membership class and so she's decided to fully commit herself to be a member at this church. And so it's our joy to welcome you all today as members of this congregation. We believe that the Holy Spirit has led you to this congregation at this time for your own good as well as for the good of this congregation. And so New Life Church, let's welcome them together. All right, you can take a seat. Thank you. So if you haven't met them yet, uh, during the fellowship time, I encourage you to go up to them and say hi and get to know them and meet them. Um, and at this time, I'd like to invite Jillian Jamis, or Limas to come up for her profession of faith. Public profession of faith is a significant milestone in our faith journey we profess our faith in our everyday worship service, uh, every worship service and every step of faith and commitment we take before God. But having been baptized as an infant, Jolene is taking another step today in publicly declaring her faith and declaring her commitment to fully participate in the life and mission of this congregation. So she has prepared her testimony, so I'm looking forward to sharing, I mean, I read it, but I'm looking forward to her sharing it with you, uh, so go ahead, Jalene. Oh, yes.
3: Uh, Good morning, everyone. Thank you. Wow. (laughs) Um, For those of (coughs) you who I haven't had the chance to meet here over basically my lifetime of having attended church here, my name, like Sean said, is uh, Jalene Limas. Uh, Most of you probably know my family, my parents very well, Um, but this morning I just wanted to share a bit of my story and how my personal relationship with Jesus has changed my life. Um, Like many of you who've shared your testimony before me, I was also richly blessed to have been born into a family of loving Christian parents. My mom and dad were instrumental in laying the foundation of my belief in Jesus and in continuing to guide me in my faith throughout my life. (coughs) Sorry, I have a little, little bit of a cold, so the voice might cut out slightly here and there, but I recall around age seven being asked by my dad one night, if I wanted to accept Jesus into my heart, answering with a yes and understanding what this meant on a childlike level. But it wasn't until many years later that I started to begin to grasp what living a life dedicated to Jesus meant and why I wanted to choose that life for myself. Throughout my high school years and elementary school years, there were typical highs and lows, but overall life was good and I felt super loved. I followed Jesus because it was the right thing for me to do <clears throat> and because I thought that it was what was expected of me. But spending time with him and in his word just felt like something I should do to tick off my I was a good Christian today list when doing almost anything else felt more enticing. Around grade 11, I started dating someone who I would later become engaged to and spent 10 years with on and off again. I wanted so badly to get married and start a family. I had plans for my own life that I thought should follow a certain timeline and trajectory, and I wrongly believed (laughs) I was in full control of my life's path. I also placed a lot of my identity in my relationship status, my achievements, and on living by mine and others' expectations of me rather than of God's. Every time that my ex-fiance and I sat down to discuss anything wedding planning related, there was this overwhelming feeling that I couldn't shake, that he and I getting married was not God's plan for me. Like any relationship, ours had its ups and downs, and there were things we were trying to improve on, but there was nothing I could lay a finger on as to why I felt such an unsettledness and lack of peace with us working towards marriage. Ultimately, I made the tough decision to end things between us about 11 years ago now, um, choosing to listen to the prompting in my heart that this was what was needed, but not knowing why. The dreams I had for my life, along with a lot of the community that I'd known for so long, all crumbled apart. And I reached a very low point after this. It was hard to get out of bed. Food had no appeal. All I wanted to do was lay on the couch, and the things that I used to enjoy doing were just very undesirable. I started to feel even more anxiety and worry, and this negatively impacted me and my faith. I began to doubt God's goodness, and I wondered how I could trust him when the plans I had for my life, which I thought were good, were falling apart. I wondered if I'd ever feel joyful or normal again. I think I tried to best hide these feelings on the outside, but inside of me, life felt out of control, and fear, anxiety, and worry coursed through me pretty intensely on the daily. I didn't know it at the time, but the ending of this relationship is exactly what I needed to grow spiritually become closer to the Lord, and to make my faith my own. I had been so concerned about my own desires for my life and the health of my relationship more than my spiritual health or relationship with Jesus. God met me, though, in my darkest days. Over the next couple of years, after this relationship ended, God remained by my side and was faithful to see me through that darkness. He helped me not only to endure the storm I felt was going on in my life, but he strengthened me spiritually and brought me through it as a changed person. He sent amazing family and friends to walk alongside me in my sadness, who provided just encouragement, prayers, listening ears, practical help, and lots of laughs too. It took many years, but over time, God taught me so many invaluable lessons to let go of the picture of what I thought my life would or should look like, and to find joy in the life I'm actually living find my identity in Christ alone and not in my achievements or relationship status. To trust his plans and not my own, even when I don't understand. To remember his truth and listen to his voice and leading, rather than my own thoughts or worries. And when anxieties do arise, to give these to him in prayer. Looking back on the struggles that God has helped me to endure, I can confidently say that his plans are far better than my own. He's always been with me and has never forsaken me. In sharing all of this, it doesn't mean that I haven't continued to experience challenges in life or that difficult circumstances have all gone away. But God has equipped me with the tools through his word and spirit to know how to better fight and not lose hope. God has turned my focus on to what he wants from my life rather than what I want. I have found joy in serving others, and I want to help those around me find the same peace, hope, and joy that come from knowing our Lord. Having shared a bit of my story and publicly professing my faith in Jesus Christ, I follow, or sorry, I commit to following him for the rest of my life. Without him I am lost, but with him he has brought me such peace, has set me free from fear, and I'm filled with gratitude for his faithfulness, grace, and guidance in my life.
2: Thank you, Julie. It's it's awesome. Um, As I was reading your testimony before today and also just hearing it again, uh, once again, I'm reminded of this verse in Jeremiah 29, and so I wanted to share with you. Um, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And um, I was reminded of this verse as I was just thinking of how you had your own plans, but God had a different plan. And when you laid down your plan, and as God was revealing his good plan, there were, there were times of difficulty and challenges and anxiety, and yet God was found by you in that time. And so I was just reminded of this verse, so I wanted to share that with you. Um, and so my prayer, Jolene, as you profess your faith today, is that God's good plan will continue to give you hope in the present as well as in the future. May he incline his ear to you as you seek him, and may the Lord be found by you in the joyful times as well as in the hard times. May God alone be your trust and hope that you lean on in the months and years to come. And so, Jolene, I'll be asking you a series of questions after all, and, and after all these questions, if your answer is yes, please answer at the end with, I do, God helping me. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God sent to redeem the world? Do you love and trust him as the one who saves you from sin? And do you, with repentance and joy, embrace him as the Lord of your life? Secondly, do you believe that the Bible is the Word of God revealing Christ and his redemption, and that the confessions of this church faithfully reflect this revelation? And thirdly, do you promise to do all you can with the help of the Holy Spirit to strengthen your love and commitment to Christ? By sharing faithfully in the life of the church, honoring and submitting to its authority, and do you join with the people of God in doing the work of the Lord everywhere? What is your answer?
3: I do, God helping me.
2: Amen. And in response, Congregation of New Life Church, do you promise to love, encourage, and support Jalene by teaching the gospel of God's love, by being an example of Christian faith and character? And by giving the strong support of God's family in fellowship, prayer, and service. What is your answer? Amen. Now I invite uh, Jolene's family and friends to come on up to lay your hands on her and pray for her. So if you'd like to come on up. congregation as if you could reach out your hand towards Jolene as we pray for her that would be wonderful so let's pray together almighty god we thank you for leading Jaleen, your daughter to the faith she expressed today may your holy spirit strengthen her in faith and service to you help her to continue to learn more about you through your word and grow in faith and love with all your people May she never cease to wonder at what you have done for her. Help her to continue firmly in the faith, to bear witness to your love, and to rely on the Holy Spirit to shape her life. Take her, good shepherd, into your care that she may loyally endure opposition in serving you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
4: Good morning. Welcome to New Life Church. My name is Rob Bransman. I'll be your morning host today. Uh, If you're age three to five and grades one to five, come on down. Come uh, sit down here in front before you head off to Kids Church and Little Lights. Volunteers and leaders, you can come on down too. As they're coming down, uh, who's enjoying this balmy, negative temperatures? Anybody? One. Good on you. Must be very cold-blooded. I guess one thing to be thankful for is that we're not living in Alberta right now. All right. Come on down. Uh, why don't we extend a blessing over these kids before they head down to their uh, worship service downstairs. Uh, congregation, please uh, extend your hand and, and over these kids. Lord, bless these boys and girls, and may they experience your love here this morning as they go downstairs and learn more about you. And bless our leaders and our volunteers that give their time each week and an effort into these uh, young kids, and we just thank you for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Little Lights, you guys can head out that way. And Kids Church, you can head out that way. Awesome. I guess one good thing with this weather that at least the sun is shining. If, if the sun wasn't out and there was clouds and snow flying, then that would be a different story. But I'm sure glad that the sun is out, giving us some nice vitamin D. Um, welcome and uh, Happy New Year to you all. Um, we're so glad that you're here. I was thinking this morning, how long after New Year's are you allowed to say Happy New Year? Like, what is the time frame to say Happy Is it one week? Is it two weeks? Is it like the end of January? Well, the Google machine said one to two weeks. So today's the cutoff. (laughs) So you can say Happy New Year's to everybody at at the three-minute fellowship time. But I think anything after two weeks, it's like having your Christmas lights up in February. So let's just maybe cut it off here. Um... All right. if you're a guest here with us today, thank you for joining us and braving the cold weather and coming on out. Um, We'd love it if you fill out a Connect card and you can uh, can find those in the seat in front of you um, and then bring it to the info booth afterwards and you'll receive a nice New Life uh, gift. Um, If you're online this morning, uh, thank you for tuning in and watching us online. Uh, Maybe just comment and interact with those online so we can... uh, See how you're doing? Announcements. Hospitality team. We're still looking for a couple volunteers to volunteer twice a year. Twice a year. That's not much time to volunteer, um, but we need some people to help out with the coffee stations and the tea stations. Uh, So just twice a year. So during uh, the three-minute fellowship time, you can sign up at the coffee stations. How convenient. Uh, You can... You know, just maybe accidentally pick up a pen and just accidentally put your name on there. It's two times a year. Really easy. Um, We just would love some help there. Uh, Today's offering, we are taking an offering for Brand New Life Society. And that is a youth ministry in Colombia that we support through our friend Fernando Trevino. Uh, And we are accepting... Uh, gifts for this uh, brand new life society. It's a youth ministry, and it's uh, in Colombia that they're helping the youth there in Fernando's church. So um, you can give electronically in the ways listed uh, behind me here or bring it to the offering boxes at the fellowship time. Um, let's pray for the offering here this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the work you do through all of our missionary partners, and we want to pray a special blessing over this brand-new Life Society and the ministry work of uh, Fernando in Colombia. We pray you use these funds to touch the lives of the youth there with your transforming love. Lord, bless bless Fernando and his team, and we thank you for them. Amen. Okay, uh, today is Second Sunday, and this is the breakaway uh, for the youth, grades 6 to 9. And they can head on out the back door there and uh, go hang out in room 303. And you can meet up with uh, Jacob Visser and the other leaders and uh, learn more about Jesus. So you can head on out now. Um, For the three-minute fellowship time, uh, we'll do that now as well. Um, One thing you can maybe discuss with your friends uh, while you mingle for three minutes is uh, ask maybe if you've broken your new year's resolution yet i know if anybody's made the new year's new year's resolution for drinking less coffee that's i think everybody's broken that one already that lineup has been long the last couple weeks so awesome thank you for having me
5: Well, if you would take a seat, please. I think uh, Rob inspired people to get coffee rather than stop drinking it. Wow. All right. Well, welcome again to New Life. And uh, it's great to be together. Uh, thankful to be in a warm place. And uh, yeah, let's, uh, before we dig into God's Word, let's, uh, let's pray together. Father in heaven, We've come here to praise you. We confess that in a lot of ways in this past week, we've uh, concentrated on ourselves and uh, we've paid uh, perhaps little attention uh, to your glory. And so, Father, we pray that uh, you will focus our minds and our hearts once again upon you, And that as we uh, reflect on how you speak to us, that um, in this coming week, Father, we can commune with you, that we can walk with you, that we can talk with you, that we can uh, treasure our relationship with you. God, thank you for revealing yourself to us. We pray especially, God, that you will reveal yourself to those who are struggling with ill health, and uh, with uh, difficulties in their life. Father, we uh, pray for uh, each person in this room. We pray for a blessing, God, uh, upon us and uh, in ways that can uh, build us up, encourage us in faith. Father, we pray for healing. We pray for uh sustaining us with your presence as we walk through these uh, journeys of, uh, of sickness or of uh, complications or of difficulties. Be near to us, Father. Pray to God uh, as we look around in our world and uh, see so much devastation, so much violence, so much uh, hatred even. God, Pray for your love and your mercy to invade this world and to overwhelm uh, the spirit of the age, God. And so we pray that you will continue to reveal yourself. Show us your love and your mercy so that we too can be a light in this world, that we can share peace that we have with others. And so God, walk with us. Draw us close to you. And may we live for your sake. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, we're in this series of addressing questions that our youth have asked. And so we, we've picked up on some of these and um, we said, okay, l- Let's take, I mean, some of these questions are really, really good questions. And uh, the reason we we change this around is is simply to convey the sense that we're not here simply to give a straight answer and say, wow, that's a silly question. Here's here's the obvious answer. Because in Christian faith, a lot of times there are no easy answers, hence uh, the series title no easy answers we we want to wrestle with these questions they're good questions they're important questions today's question in fact is really important and um when i read it and started considering it i thought you know i don't think i've actually ever thought about this question specifically the question is how can you believe that the bible is true How can you believe the Bible is true? Do you ever think about that? I mean, I suspect those of us who have grown up in a Christian home, and a Christian uh, uh, church, and we've always heard the Bible, and we've always just simply received it, and then this question's maybe a little bit startling. Or maybe you have thought about it, and you are wondering, for some of us, um, this question presents an obstacle to faith for some of us we just ignore the question and go well i don't know i don't know what the answer is it's, it doesn't matter to me either way so the, the curious thing about this question was the additional phrase that was tacked on to it was how can you believe the bible is true it doesn't have any pictures That's a pretty significant comment. Because that's how we operate in life now, isn't it? If there's a picture, uh, we, we snap it, grab our phone, snap it, and Instagram it. And then we say, Oh, see, it happened. It's true. How can you believe that the Bible is true in that context? I, th- I think, I mean, it'd, it'd be awfully handy, and maybe God missed out on something here. I, I wouldn't mind having a picture of say, or maybe a video of uh, of Jesus presenting the Sermon on the Mount. That that that'd be awesome. Or, I don't know. Think think of any any story in the Old Testament and you want. Like isn't that really have like what about Moses on the at the burning bush? Wouldn't that be cool to have a picture of that? And you go. Ah, yeah, see, wow, then I got to believe. Or, or what about Jonah being thrown up by the fish, right? That, that'd be cool. That'd be an amazing picture. Uh, so, how can you believe that the Bible is true? I mean, we might be tempted to say, wow, you, you just got to believe. But consider, there are some things in the Bible that are hard to believe, to say, come on, really? There's, I mean, even the things we know today, scientifically, compared to what the Bible uh, presents, that, that's a problem in itself, problem that the church actually ran into when Galileo said, you know what? The earth isn't the center of the universe. The sun is. And in fact, now we even go, well, not even the sun is the center of the universe. And for some people, they go, well, then the Bible got it wrong. So how do I I dare trust the Bible? If it got it wrong, then. What else did they get wrong? It's also the Bible's also sometimes culturally irrelevant. I mean, there's polygamy in the Old Testament, and there's no condemnation for it. nothing, Nothing said, hey, you can't do that. Or slavery in the New Testament. Paul talks about slavery as if, well, it's just a normal thing. Just make sure you treat each other as brothers in the Lord. So if the Bible is outdated, how, how can you believe that it's true? Not only that, but there's also even some just outright contradictions in the Bible. For instance, Jesus uh, or uh, the Gospels uh, in Matthew and in Luke, they give a genealogy of Jesus, but they're entirely different. In fact, I think it's Matthew's Gospel that. Uh, gives a genealogy following uh, Joseph's line, the husband of Mary, who wasn't the father of Jesus. So it's not even his family tree. How does that work? Why? Why is Luke's different than Matthew's? And if they are different, how do you dare trust it? How can you believe that the Bible is true? Maybe it would be nice to have pictures. So let's take a look at a passage in the Bible where presumably a similar objection uh, is presented uh, in the New Testament. In, uh, so this is the Apostle John, uh, near the end of his life, uh, we suspect, and he writes a letter to the church in Ephesus uh, believers there, the Christians in Ephesus, were undergoing a hardship and even some persecution uh, because of their faith. They had, uh, they had trusted uh, the Bible, although they didn't have the New Testament then at that time, of course, but they had the Old Testament. And, uh, and then they had um, uh, the, the story of Jesus from the apostles and so on. They were having a hard time believing it because their life was hard and was not improving. Uh, If they had any idea that, well, believe in Jesus and your life will be better, uh, it wasn't. And so they were having a hard time believing the truth of Scripture. So John writes them a letter, and this is how he begins. 1 John, way back in the uh, back of the New Testament. He says, this is, he begins the letter this way. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, heard, that which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim to you as the word of life. The life appeared, the life of Jesus The life appeared. We have seen it. We testify to it. We proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. I hope you caught that, right? I mean, John uses as, uh, you know, all of the senses to say, look, we're the testimony that this is true. Better than a picture. We've, we experienced, we were there. We were there. To trust the truth of the Bible, you have to, you have to trust in the truth of Jesus. That's That's what John is is essentially saying. You bear witness to our testimony of the truth of Jesus. And then life comes into you. So for that, we have more than pictures, better than pictures. John heard Jesus. John saw Jesus. John Walked beside Jesus. He probably had his hand around him, around Jesus. It's the testimony of others that begins to convince us of the truth of Jesus and the truth of the Bible. It's in the context of who Jesus is, it's in the context of what he has done for us that we're convinced of the Bible's truth. Excuse me. Much of the pro, much much of the objections, uh, in fact, to the Bible, has to do with how people read the Bible. I mean, so, and and sometimes, understandably, I mean, people object to the Bible because it's well, you you read it and you're like, it's just all rules. but the Bible's not a manual for living as if you just follow its instructions and then presto, you've got a life. Or people object to the Bible because, well, I tried reading it, but it's kind of boring. Well, that's because the Bible's not a a thriller novel. It's not a New York Times bestselling. Simply to distract you from uh, an otherwise boring existence. No, the Bible is the message of hope for dead-end living. A message of hope. Some people object to the Bible because it's scientifically and historically inaccurate or doubtful. But, but the Bible is not a textbook so that you can pass your history uh, exam or your uh, science exam. The Bible reveals nothing nothing less than the God of the universe. The Bible reveals the story of what God is up to. In other words, what we have to do is is to learn to read the Bible. To read it as the story of rescue. to, To read it as a story of deliverance not like a newspaper where it's immediately, you can just read the headlines and go, okay, I know what's going on in the world. It's a story that reveals salvation to us. It reveals a God of the universe who creates and then is disappointed in the brokenness of the world and then says, I'm going to redeem it. I'm going to restore it and all of the ways that he does that. And to read the Bible that way takes some patience and probably some explaining and some research and then more patience. A lot of times we approach the Bible as though it ought to be immediately satisfying to us. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes the Bible is perplexing. Why? Because it reveals and and it speaks the word of God. I mean, even a lot of times coming to church, we only say church was good when the preacher says everything that we would agree with. And same with the Bible. We say, oh, yeah, I love the Bible, when it speaks to us with what we agree with. And then when we read something and say, oh, that, doesn't, that doesn't make sense, well, then, then we have problems with the Bible. But reading the Bible isn't just always immediately understandable or obvious. It takes patience. It takes wrestling with each other. It takes disagreement perhaps even understand the bible so probably one of one of the worst things you could do is tell people oh just read the bible and do what it says that's the the bible doesn't permit that it's it's not just a rule book it's it's not just life's little instruction book it's actually a pretty big book and it takes a lot of wrestling to come clear with the message of God. Because these are the words of God. And when God speaks to us, we ought not to expect to immediately say, oh, I get it. This is God speaking, after all. Sometimes, sometimes we find it hard to believe the Bible because We simply don't read it as the governing story of our lives. Or to put it another way, we don't want the Bible to have authority over our lives. So we read it only for the things we agree with and the way we want our life to go, but we don't read it as a message from God for salvation. The objection would be, why should the Bible impose more rules on my life? I get to live my own life. And indeed, if the Bible is simply imposing rules on your life, then I'd say, yeah, put it aside. Because who needs more rules? That's not what the Bible is. The Bible is the message of freedom. A message of deliverance. The Bible's not not more rules. Rules come and go. The heart of the Bible, the heart of the Bible is Jesus and how He saves you in mercy, even while you're still lost in sin. Luke conveys that in his gospel, the beginning of his gospel. Luke says, uh, he's writing to a fellow by the name of Theophilus, he says, look, Theophilus, I I was there, so I want to give you an accurate account of the story of Jesus. And then near the end of his gospel, he, he ends the gospel with the ascension of Jesus into heaven. But just before that, Just after the resurrection of Jesus, Luke gives us the story of two people who had trusted in Jesus, they had followed Jesus, they had heard Jesus' teaching and said, this man speaks the truth. And then? And then Jesus was crucified, died, and was buried. He was gone. And these two disciples walking on uh, what Luke says is the road to Emmaus, These two disciples are walking along very disappointed, very discouraged, very dejected, and Jesus appears alongside of them and says, what's going on? The two disciples can't believe it. They're like, what, you, you didn't know about this? Like, everybody's talking about it. We thought this was the person who could deliver us. And then we get this from Luke chapter 24. Uh, Luke chapter 24, he said to them, how foolish you are. Wouldn't you kind of be ticked off if Jesus suddenly came to you and said, how foolish you are. Uh, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. That's the That's the scriptures. Right? That's the Bible. Slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Ah, I'd love to have been there, Jesus explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. That's how you read the Bible. And then, and then we get this. When he was at the table with them, so Jesus, uh, you know, the two disciples, they're quite enamored with this explanation. Of, oh, that's, that's how the message works. Okay. So then they invite him in to supper. They say, hey, why don't you have supper with us? When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. What does that remind you of? Communion, right? Lord's Supper. Took bread, gave thanks, broke it, ate it with them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight and they asked each other, get this, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Were not our hearts burning? Because Jesus had explained the very point of the scriptures to them. Jesus. Everything pointed to Jesus. Everything pointed to the Savior of the world. Everything pointed to their salvation and how God reveals himself in this plan of salvation. Jesus is the main message. Here's what Tim Keller suggests. He says, if the Gospels are an accurate account of Jesus, and uh, many scholars have set out to show how, indeed, they are. They are an accurate account. And if you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, okay, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll take Jesus as a savior. Well, then, Tim Keller says, Then, if Jesus takes the rest of Scripture seriously, then you have to take the rest of Scripture seriously. That bids us to read the Bible, to wrestle with it, to take the parts where we say, hey, that's a conflict with whatever, science or history or my thoughts, you got to wrestle with it. But you got to take it seriously. You can't dismiss it. Because at the core of understanding the Bible is seeing Jesus revealed in all of Scripture as the Savior of the world through his death and resurrection. Sometimes that's pretty straightforward. Other times you scratch your head and go, God, I do not understand. Help me. Help me in my unbelief. And when you help people read the Bible, they too can begin to see the beautiful story. The problem is, we usually make the Bible into some kind of newspaper. We flip through it, we read a verse here, we read a verse there just to get us going in the morning. But it's the story of salvation. It's God speaking to us. And when God speaks, sometimes it's stuff we don't want to hear. And sometimes it's stuff we cannot comprehend. But it's the story of salvation. The story that can weave all of the fragments of our broken life together into God's story of salvation. In other words... Then the Bible becomes our story. We can live into the story of the Bible. And that's why we call it the living word of God. Because God, through the Bible, even speaks to us today. Read the Bible. Listen to the words of Scripture Wrestle with it. Be patient with it. And you will hear God speaking to us. Let's pray together. Almighty God, perhaps for some of us, we've taken the Bible for granted. And for some of us, we've never been startled by by the fact that that you speak to us the God of the universe who has created everything, and you stoop down to speak to us a word of life. God, help us to listen. Help us to read. Help us to hear this message of salvation, to celebrate it, to share it, to wrestle with it. And then God, breathe into us the very breath of life through the words that you speak to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Just stand and sing with us.
5: voice speak to you. The Lord bless you and keep you.